the tenth stage. Then Christian addressed his companion. Well, come with me, my good friend Hopeful, for I see that you and I must walk by ourselves again. So I saw in my dream that they went on ahead at a strong pace while ignorance limped along behind them. Then Christian said, I feel great pity for this poor man because his journey will come to a sorrowful end. Unfortunately, in our town there's an abundance of people in his condition. Whole families, yes, even whole streets, with many being pilgrims, too. So if there are many like him in our parts, how many do you think there must be in the place where he was born? Hopeful asked. Indeed, this is true, Christian said, for the word says, He has blinded their eyes, lest they should see. But now we are by ourselves. Tell me, what do you think of such men? Do you think that at any time they have convictions of sin, and so as a consequence have fears about the danger of their condition? No, I would rather you answer that question yourself, for you are older and have more experience. Very well, Christian said. I would say, in my opinion, that sometimes they may have such fears, but because they are naturally ignorant of spiritual truth, they do not understand that such convictions contribute to their good. Therefore, they desperately seek to stifle them while they presumptuously continue to flatter themselves concerning the good state of their own hearts. Hopeful's head bobbed his agreement. I do believe, as you say, that fear tends to benefit men and to make them right at the beginning of their pilgrimage and to prompt them to go the right way. Christian grew enthusiastic. Without a doubt this is what happens if it is the right fear. For the word says so. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Scripture. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and chastening. Proverbs 1, verse 7. How would you describe right fear? Hopeful asked. I'd say that you can know that it is true or right fear based on three things. By its arousal, it's caused by conviction of sin. Number two, it drives the soul to believe in Christ for salvation. Number three, it gives birth to and maintains in the soul a great reverence of God his word, and his ways. So this soul is kept tender by making it afraid to turn to the right or left from these affections to anything that may dishonor God, break its peace, breathe the spirit, or cause the enemy to speak of God with reproach. Well said, Christian. I believe you have spoken the truth. Have we now almost passed through the enchanted ground? Why, are you weary of this conversation? No, not at all, Hopeful said. I would just like to know where we are. We don't have more than two miles further to go now. Nevertheless, let's return to our topic of discussion. Now, the ignorant generally don't know that such convictions of sin tend to cause them to fear and is for their good. Therefore, they seek to stifle them. In what ways do they seek to stifle them? Hopeful asked. There are four ways. 1. They think that those fears are created by the devil, though in fact they are truly from God. In thinking this, they resist them as things that would cause their defeat. Number 2. 
They also think that these fears tend to spoil their faith when, as deluded poor men, they do not have any faith at all. Therefore, they harden their hearts against them. Number three, they presume they should not have fears, and therefore, in spite of them, they put on a vain show of confidence. And number four, they see that those fears tend to strip away their pathetic displays of self-righteousness, and therefore they resist them with all their might. Hopeful said, I confess to knowing something of this myself, for before I knew the truth about myself, my condition was just as pathetic. Well, let's leave our neighbor ignorance by himself at this time and decide upon another question profitable for discussion. I agree wholeheartedly, Hopeful said, but again I ask that you begin. Well then, Christian said, about ten years ago did you know a man by the name of Temporary in your parts? He was a man enthusiastic about religion then. Know him? I certainly did. He lived in Graceless, a town about two miles from Honesty. I think he lived next door to a man by the name of Turnback. That's right. Turnback actually lived under the same roof with him. Well, at one time, that man was very much awakened spiritually. I believe at that time he had some awareness of his sins and of the wages that were due in this regard. I hold the same opinion, Hopeful agreed, for since my house was not more than three miles from him, he would often come to me with many tears. Truly, I pitied the man and was not altogether without hope for him. But one may see it is not everyone who cries, Lord, Lord, who proves to be a genuine Christian. Christian nodded in understanding. He once told me that he was determined to go on pilgrimage, just as we are now. But all of a sudden, he grew acquainted with one save self, and then he became a stranger to me. Since we're talking about him, Hopeful said, Let's spend a little time to ask the reason for his sudden backsliding and for others like him. This may be very profitable, Hopeful, but I ask that you begin this time. Very well, Hopeful said. In my judgment, I see four reasons for it. Number one, though the consciences of such men are awakened, yet their minds are not changed. Therefore, when the power of guilt diminishes, the very thing that provoked them to be religious ceases to have any effect. For this reason, they naturally turn to their former course again. We see the same reaction with a dog that is sick and vomits up what he has eaten. So long as his sickness prevails, he vomits and throws up everything in his stomach. Not that he does this of a free mind, if we may say a dog has a mind, but rather because of his troubling stomach. However, when his sickness passes and his stomach feels better, he turns around and licks up all his vomit, and so what is written is true. The dog is turned to his own vomit again. Scripture, but it has happened unto them, according to the true proverb, the dog returns unto his own vomit, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. Second Peter 2, verse 22. Now. I say a person may be enthusiastic about heaven, but only because they sense and fear the torments of hell. But as their sense and fear of damnation chills and cools, 
In the same way, their desires for heaven and salvation cool also. So then it comes to pass that when their guilt and fear is gone, their desires for heaven and happiness die, and they return to their former course in life again. Number two. Another reason is this. They have mindless fears that overwhelm them. I'm talking about fears they have of men now, for the fear of man brings a snare. Scripture. The fear of man brings a snare, but whosoever puts his trust in the Lord shall be lifted up. Proverbs 29, verse 25. So then, though they seem to be enthusiastic for heaven so long as the threat of hell's flames are real to them, when that terror has lessened in their way of thinking, they have second thoughts. They begin to think it is unwise to run after something they know little about and risk losing all. A second idea they begin to entertain is that it is not prudent to bring themselves into unavoidable and unnecessary troubles, and as a result they fall in with the world again. Number three, the shame that attends religion also lies as a roadblock in their way. They are proud and haughty, and religion, as they see it, is low and contemptible. Therefore, when they have lost their sense of hell and of the wrath to come, they return again to their former ways. Number four, guilt and the thought of terror are distressing to them. They prefer not to see their misery before they come into it, though perhaps when they first catch sight of it, it might make them flee to where the righteous flee and are safe. But because they shun the thoughts of guilt and terror, as I hinted before, once they get rid of their original arousals about the terror and wrath of God, they harden their hearts gladly and choose ways that will harden them more and more. Christian patted Hopeful on the back. You're pretty close to the heart of this matter, for at the bottom of this problem is a lack of a change in their mind and will. Therefore, they are like the criminal who stands before the judge, shaking and trembling. He seems to heartily repent, but in the end he is truly motivated by his fear of the noose instead of any abhorrence of his crime. This is evident when he is set free and he returns to being a thief and a rogue. However, if his mind was changed, he would live differently. Hopeful agreed and said, Now that I have shown you the reason for their backsliding, I ask that you show me the modus of his falling away. Hopeful gestured to Christian to continue. I will do so most willingly, Christian said, and he started to make his points one at a time, counting them off on his fingers. One, they draw most of their thoughts from the remembrance of God, death, and judgment to come. Two, then they gradually neglect private duties such as personal prayer, curbing their lusts, watchfulness, sorrow for sin, and the like. Number three, then they shun the company of lively and wholehearted Christians. Number four, after that they grow cold to public duty such as conscientious listening, reading of the word, godly corporate gathering, and the like. Number five, they then begin to find fault or pick holes, as we say, in the lives of some of the godly, so that they may claim religion is stained based on some weaknesses they have noticed in these believers.
and then they justify putting religion behind their backs. Number six, then they begin to adhere to and associate with carnal, immoral, and unrestrained men. Number seven, they give way to carnal and depraved conversations in secret, and they are glad if they can find similar practices in any who are considered reputable, for these hypocrites encourage them to be all the more bold. Number eight, after this, they begin to play with little sins openly. Number nine, and then, being hardened, they show themselves as they are. Therefore, being flung again into the gulf of misery, unless a miracle of grace prevents it, they eternally perish in their own deception. Now I saw in my dream that by this time the pilgrims had traveled over the enchanted ground and were entering into the country of Beulah. Scripture Thou shalt no longer be termed forsaken, neither shall thy land any longer be termed desolate, but thou shalt be called Hephzibah, and thy land Beulah. For the will of the Lord shall be in thee, and thy land shall be married. For as a young man marries a virgin, so shall thy sons marry thee. And as the bridegroom rejoices with the bride, so shall thy God rejoice with thee. I have set watchmen upon thy walls, O Jerusalem, which shall never hold their peace day or night. Ye that make mention of the Lord, do not keep silent, and give him no rest until he establishes, and until he makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. The Lord has sworn by his right hand, and by the arm of his strength, Surely I will no longer give thy wheat to be food for thine enemies, and the sons of the stranger shall not drink thy wine for which thou hast labored. But those that have gathered it shall eat it, and praise the Lord and those that have brought it together shall drink it in the courts of my holiness. Go through, go through the gates, prepare ye the way of the people, clear up, clear up the highway, gather out the stones, lift up a banner as an example for the people. Behold, the Lord has caused it to be heard unto the end of the earth. Say unto the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy Savior comes. Behold that his reward is with him, and his work before him. And they shall call them the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord. And thou shalt be called, sought out, a city not forsaken. Isaiah 62, verses 4-12 through 12. With the way lying directly through it, the air in that place was very sweet and pleasant and so they rested and refreshed themselves there for a time. Here they heard the continual singing of birds, and every day enjoyed various blooming flowers in the land. They also heard the voice of the turtle dove in this country, where the sun shines night and day. Therefore it was beyond the valley of the shadow of death, and out of the reach of giant despair. In fact, from this place they couldn't even see Doubting Castle. Here the pilgrims were within sight of the celestial city where they were going. Here, too, they met some of the inhabitants of that place. For in this land the Shining Ones frequently walked, because it was upon the borders of heaven. In this land also the contract between the bride and the bridegroom was renewed. Yes, here 
As the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so does God rejoice over them. Here they had no lack of corn and wine, for in this place they began to reap an abundance of what they had sought for throughout their entire pilgrimage. Here they heard voices drifting from out of the city, loud voices proclaiming, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your salvation comes. Behold, his reward is with him. Here all the inhabitants of the country called them the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord, sought out, etc. Now as they walked in this land, they experienced more rejoicing than in other parts that were more remote from the kingdom to which they were headed. But now, drawing nearer to the city, they had a more perfect view of it. It was built of pearls and precious stones, and the streets were paved with gold. As a result, the natural glory of the city and the reflection of the sunbeams upon it made Christian homesick with longing for it. Hopeful also had a fit or two of the same sickness. Therefore the two of them stood for a while in front of the vista and continued to cry out because of their pangs, If you see my beloved, tell him that I am sick of love. But being a little strengthened and better able to endure their sickness, they walked along their way and came nearer and nearer to the celestial city. On either side were orchards, vineyards, and gardens, and their gates opened into the highway. Now as they came closer to these places, they noticed the gardener standing in the way. So they asked him, Whose goodly vineyards and gardens are these? He answered, They are the king's, and are planted here for his own pleasure, and also for the comfort of pilgrims. So the gardener led them into the vineyards, and invited them to refresh themselves with the surrounding delicacies. Scripture When thou comest into thy neighbor's vineyard, then thou may eat grapes, thy fill at thine own pleasure. But thou shalt not put any in thy vessel. Deuteronomy 23, verse 24 He also pointed out to them the king's walks and arbors which he enjoyed. So here Christian and hopeful lingered and slept. Now I saw in my dream that they talked more in their sleep at this time than they had ever done in all their journey. As I pondered the reason for this, the gardener said to me, Why do you deeply ponder this matter? It is the nature of the fruit of the grapes of these vineyards to go down so sweetly as to cause the lips of them who are asleep to speak. Scripture and thy palate like the best wine that goes into my beloved sweetly and causes the lips of those that are asleep to speak. Song of Solomon 7, verse 9 So I saw that when they awoke, they prepared themselves to go up to the city. But as I said before, the reflection of the sun upon the city which was pure gold, Scripture, the city was of pure gold like unto clean glass, Revelation 21, verse 18, was so extremely glorious that they could not face it directly to look at it as yet. Instead, and when they viewed it through an instrument made for that purpose, Scripture, for now we see is through a mirror in darkness, but then we shall see face to face. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 12. 
So I saw that as they went on their way, two shining ones met them. They were dressed in clothing that shone like gold, and their faces glowed radiantly as light. These men asked the pilgrims where they came from, and they told them. The shining ones also asked them where they had lodged, as well as what difficulties and dangers they had met with along the way, and what comforts and pleasures they had experienced. And so Christian and Hopeful told them. Then the two shining ones said to them, You have only two more difficulties to deal with, and then you will enter the city. Christian and his companion asked the men to go along with them. The men told them they would, but said, You must obtain it by your own faith. So I saw in my dream that they went on together until they came in sight of the gate. Between them and the gate was a river, but there was no bridge crossing over it, and the river was very deep. The sight of this river greatly stunned the pilgrims, but the men who walked with them said, You must go through the river, or you cannot come at the gate. The pilgrims began to inquire, Isn't there any other way to the gate? The two shining ones answered, Yes, but no one has been permitted to use it except for only two. Only Enoch and Elijah have trod that path since the foundation of the world. It shall not be used again until the last trumpet sounds. A helpless feeling washed over the two pilgrims, especially Christian. They looked this way and that, but no alternative way could be found that would allow them to avoid the river. Then the pilgrims asked, Is the water all the same depth? The shining ones answered, No. They could offer no further help or guidance except to say, You shall find it deeper or shallower as you believe in the king of the place. With this, the pilgrims resigned themselves to face the water. Upon entering, Christian began to sink and cried out to his good friend Hopeful, I sink in the deep water! The billows go over my head! All his waves go over me! Then Hopeful said, Be courageous, my brother! I feel the bottom, and it is firm. Christian cried out further, Ah, oh, my friend, the sorrows of death have totally encompassed me! I shall not see the land that flows with milk and honey. And with those words, a great darkness and horror fell upon Christian, so that he could not see before him. To a large degree, he lost his senses, so that he was unable to remember or talk intelligently about any of those sweet refreshments that he had experienced along the way of his pilgrimage. Rather, all the words he spoke revealed his present terror of mind and the fear that he would die in that river and never gain entrance into the celestial city. Those who stood by could see he was greatly troubled with thoughts of the sins he had committed, both before and since he became a pilgrim. It was also clear that he was troubled with visions of demons and evil spirits. The words he spoke reflected this over and over. Therefore, Hopeful struggled in his attempts to keep his brother's head above water. Sometimes Christian would seem to have sunk down for good, but after a short time he would rise to the surface again as one half-dead. Hopeful attempted to comfort him, saying, Brother, I see the gate and men standing nearby to welcome us. But Christian answered, It is you! It is you they are waiting for, 
Papa, you have been hopeful ever since I first knew you. And so have you, Hopeful said. Ah, brother! Christian's face looked deeply troubled. Surely if I was right with the king, he would rise now to rescue me. But on account of my sins, he has brought me into this snare and abandoned me. Then Hopeful said, My brother, you have quite forgotten the text where it is said of the wicked, There is no pain in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not troubled as other men, neither are they plagued as other men. Psalm 73, verses 4 and 5. These troubles and distresses you are experiencing in these waters are no indication that God has abandoned you. Rather, they are sent to test you, to see whether or not you will recall the evidences of His past goodness and rely upon Him in your present distresses. Then I saw in my dream that Christian was deep in thought a while, and Hopeful continued to speak to him. Be courageous. Jesus Christ makes you whole. With that, Christian broke out in a loud voice and said, Oh, I see him again, and he tells me, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, and they shall not overflow you. Scripture, when thou dost pass through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou dost walk through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Isaiah 43, verse 2. Then the two pilgrims both took courage, and the enemy became as still as a stone until they had crossed over. Christian discovered solid ground for his feet to stand upon, and so it turned out that once he found his footing that the rest of the river was actually shallow, and the two of them crossed over. Now upon the bank of the river on the other side, Christian and Hopeful saw the two shining ones waiting to welcome them. Therefore, when the pilgrims came out of the river, these shining ones greeted them, saying, We are ministering spirits sent forth to serve those who shall be the heirs of salvation. Then they proceeded toward the gate. Now you must note that the city stood upon a mighty hill, but the pilgrims went up that hill with ease because they had the two shining ones to lead them upward by holding their arms. Plus, they had also left their mortal garments behind them in the river, for even though they went into the river with them, They came out without them. Therefore they continued to climb with much agility and speed, even though the foundation upon which the city was built was higher than the clouds. So they went up through the region of the air, sweetly talking as they went, being comforted because they had safely crossed over the river and were being escorted by such glorious companions. The conversation they had with the Shining Ones was about the glory of the place. They told the pilgrims that the beauty and the glory of it was inexpressible. They went on to say, In Mount Zion you shall find the heavenly Jerusalem, the innumerable company of angels, and the spirits of just men made perfect. Scripture But you are come unto Mount Zion, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem and to an innumerable company of angels, to the congregation of the called-out ones of the firstborn, who are registered in the heavens, 
and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the New Testament, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better than that of Abel. Hebrews 12, verses 22 through 24. You are going now, they said, to the paradise of God, in which you shall see the tree of life and eat of its never-fading fruits. When you arrive, there you shall be given white robes, and every day your walk and talk shall be with the king, even for all the days of eternity. Scripture He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the congregations. To him that overcomes, I will give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Revelations 2, verse 7. There you will no longer see former things, such as you saw when you were in the lower region upon earth. That is, sorrow, sickness, affliction, and death. For the former things have passed away. Scripture. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be any more sorrow, nor crying, nor pain. For the former things are passed away. Revelation 21, verse 4. Rather, you are now going to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob, and to the prophets, men whom God has taken away from the evil to come, for they are now resting upon their beds, each one walking in his righteousness. Then Christian and Hopeful asked, What will we be doing in the holy place? To this they were given the answer, there you must receive the comfort that results from all your toil and have joy in place of all your sorrow. You must reap what you have sown, even the fruit of all your prayers, tears, and sufferings for the king along the way. Scripture Do not deceive yourselves. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. For he that sows to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that sows in the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap eternal life. Galatians 6, verses 7 and 8. In that place you will wear crowns of gold and enjoy the perpetual sight and vision of the Holy One, for there you shall see Him as He is. Scripture Beloved, now we are the sons of God and it is not yet made manifest what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. 1 John 3, verse 2. There you shall also serve him continually with praise, shouting, and thanksgiving. That is he whom you desire to serve in the world, though with much difficulty because of the weakness of your flesh. There your eyes shall be delighted with seeing, and your ears with hearing the pleasant voice of the Mighty One. There you shall enjoy your friends again who arrived here before you, and in the same way, there you shall joyfully welcome everyone who follows after you into the holy place. You will also be clothed with joy and majesty, and appropriately equipped to ride out with the King of Glory. In the future, when he shall come with the sound of the trumpet in the clouds, as upon the wings of the wind, you shall come with him. When he sits upon the throne of judgment, you shall sit by him.
and be with him forever. Scripture Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are ye unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know ye not that we shall judge angels? How much more the things that pertain to this life? 1 Corinthians 6, verses 2 and 3. Now while they were drawing near to the gate, a company of the heavenly host came out to meet them. To this multitude the other two shining ones said, These are the men who have loved our Lord when they were in the world, and who have left all for his holy name. He has sent us to fetch them, and we have brought them this far on their desired journey, so that they may go in with joy, and look their Redeemer in the face. Then the heavenly host gave Blessed a great shout, saying, Blessed are they who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Revelations 19, verse 19. At this time also there came out to meet them several of the king's trumpeters, clothed in white shining garments. With loud melodious voices they raised their trumpets to the heavens, where it echoed with their sound. These trumpeters greeted Christian and hopeful with ten thousand welcomes from the world, and this they did with shouting and the sound of trumpets. Once this was done, they surrounded them on every side. Some went ahead of them, and some followed behind. Some were on the right hand, and others on the left, as a guard through the upper regions, continually sounding the melodious noise, sending notes on high as they went. So this very sight could be seen as if heaven itself had come down to meet them. Therefore they walked on together. And as they walked, these trumpeters often combined the joyful music with looks and gestures to signify to Christian and hopeful just how welcome they were and how happy they were to meet them. It was as if these two pilgrims were in heaven before they even came to it, being surrounded with the sight of angels and the sound of their melodious notes. Here also they were now able to view the city itself and they thought they heard all the bells healing inside to welcome them. But, above all, warm and joyful thoughts consumed them as to how they would live there with such heavenly company for all eternity. Oh, with what language or pen can their glorious joy be sufficiently expressed? And thus they came up to the gate. Now when they came up to the gate, there was inscribed over it in letters of gold, Blessed are those who do his commandments, those who have rightful access to the tree of life, and may enter in through the gates into the city. Then I saw in my dream that the shining men told the pilgrims to call out at the gate. When they did, some from above looked over the gate, namely Enoch, Moses, and Elijah. The Shining One said, These pilgrims have come from the city of destruction for the love they bear to the king of this place. Then each of the pilgrims gave his certificate, which he had received at the beginning. These were carried in to the king, who, when he read them, said, Where are these men? To whom it was answered, They are standing outside the gate. The king commanded the gate to open and he declared, The righteous nation that keeps the truth may enter in. 
Scripture. Open ye the gates, that the righteous nation which keeps the truth may enter in. Isaiah 26, verse 2. Now I saw in my dream that Christian and Hopeful went in at the gate, and as they entered they were transfigured, and they were dressed in garments that shone like gold. They were also met by those who gave them harps and crowns. The harps were given to offer praise with, and the crowns were a token of honor. Then I heard in my dream all the bells in the city ringing again for joy, and that it was said to the pilgrims to enter into the joy of your Lord. I also heard the men themselves singing out with a loud voice, saying, Blessing, honor, glory, and power be unto him who sits upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. Now just as the gates were opened to let the men inside, I looked in after them and witnessed the city shining like the sun. The streets were paved with gold, and many men walked along with them, with crowns on their heads, palms in their hands, and carrying golden harps which they used to sing praises. Among the inhabitants there were also those who had wings, and they answered one another without pause, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Following that, they shut the gates, and after what I had seen, I wished that I had been among them. Now while I was gazing upon all these things, I turned my head to look back and saw ignorance coming up to the river bank. He soon crossed over, and without half the difficulty with which Christian and Hopeful had met. For it happened that in that place there was one vain hope, a ferryman, who with his boat helped him over. So I watched as he ascended the hill to come up to the gate. Only he came alone, for not a single man came out to meet him with the least encouragement. When he came up to the gate, he looked up to the writing inscribed above the gate and began to knock, supposing that he should quickly be permitted entrance. But the men who peered over the top of the gate asked, Where did you come he from? He answered, and what I have eaten desire? and drank in the presence of the king, and he has taught in our streets. Then they asked him for his certificate, so that they might go in and show it to the king. But ignorance fumbled in his breast pocket for it, but found none. The men tending the gate said, Ignorance had Don't no answer, you have one? not even a word. So the men of the gate told the king, but he would not come down to see him. Instead, he commanded the two shining ones who had conducted Christian and Hopeful to the city to go out and take ignorance and to bind him hand and foot and have him taken away. At that, the two shining ones took him up and carried him through the air to the door that I saw in the side of the hill and put him in there. I realized that there was a way to hell, even from the gate of heaven, as well as from the city of destruction. So I awoke, and behold, it was a dream. Conclusion Now, reader, I have told my dream to you. See if you can interpret it to me, or to yourself, 
or your neighbor. But take heed of misinterpreting, for that, instead of doing good, will but yourself abuse. By misinterpreting, evil ensues. Pay attention that you do not become extreme in playing with the outside of my dream, nor let my figure or similitude make you laugh or start a feud. Leave this for boys and fools, but as for thee, do you yourself the substance of my matter see? Open the curtains, look within my veil, turn up my metaphors and do not fail. If you seek them, such things you will find as will be helpful to an honest mind. What of my scum you find there, be bold to throw it away, but yet preserve the gold. What if my gold be wrapped up in ore? None throws away the apple for the core. But if you cast it all away as vain, I know not but it will make me dream again.